Man, you are in store for a brilliant episode with our resident movement specialist, Steph Ryan, who's an exercise physiologist who specializes in chronic fatigue syndrome and recovery. She's one of our head coaches at CFS Health, and we have just dove so deep into everything movement and exercise related to chronic fatigue syndrome and long COVID and any other associated illness. So if you're at home right now and you're really stuck with this, you're stuck with like how much to do, how little to do, should you do it at all, should you not do it, this episode is going to basically eliminate all the myths that you might have heard before and give you a structured framework that you can follow to start to recondition and rebuild your health and your body appropriately for where you're at. Sit back and relax and enjoy this really, really in-depth episode. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. My name is Toby Morrison, the founder and co-host of the CFS Health Recovery Podcast. And on the other end, we have our movement specialist at CFS Health, Stephanie Ryan. Hey, Steph. Hi, guys. How are we? Yeah, amazing. So glad to have you here. Today, we are talking about movement and chronic fatigue syndrome or long COVID recovery, basically movement in conjunction with recovering from a chronic illness. And for those of you who don't know Steph, all of our members do, obviously, everyone loves Steph. But for the people who don't know Steph, she's actually our movement specialist inside our program. So she helps every single person from 56 countries inside our program basically how to recondition their body appropriately for them and rebuild strength and capacity within their body. Now we have a whole private program just for movement and we have three different stages depending on what you're in. And so we're very blessed to have her here on the podcast today because you're going to get a sneak peek into, you know, movement in general and how you can utilize movement appropriately for you. So you respond well to it versus pushing and crashing and getting nowhere and just for a little bit of back reference Steph actually had chronic fatigue syndrome herself and she was actually one of my little prodigy clients when she was a little baby girl as a teenager uh, which is just amazing and she did the program she got a ton out of it this was years ago and she was able to get back to school full-time and play netball which was her major goals And so it was so awesome to watch Steph kind of blossom into her life. And then, yeah, I found out years on that she was studying exercise science and she was becoming a physiologist. And so I reached out to her and said, hey, do you want a job? And she said, yes, let's do it. And so here we are today. (laughs) It's actually 10 years. I got a little reminder. It's 10 years to the date of when I first was diagnosed. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. Crazy. And Steph, you were like a really fit person before you got sick. And then you obviously got really sick. And when you came into the program, you were really struggling. The first appointment we had, you were basically asleep for half of it. That's how exhausted you were. So for the people to paint a picture, you can see how healthy she is now. But yeah, 10 years ago, it certainly wasn't the case. And so it's really awesome that you've come back and you're giving back in your field of expertise, which is exercise physiology. What's your number one goal? There's a goal that you talk about a lot and it's one sentence and it's about a relationship with. Yeah. So my little philosophy is having a positive relationship with exercise. Words that I try and teach everyone. Exercise can look completely different from one person to another. 
It doesn't have to look like what my exercise looks like, what Toby's looks like. It is completely individualized and it's about understanding that, understanding what movement is and how we can make it be a positive shift for us, opposed to that fear factor that we often have with chronic fatigue or other health conditions. Mm, And I think, unfortunately, exercise just has such a bad rep with chronic illness because truthfully, it's been wrongly prescribed a lot of times. You hear of those horror stories of someone that's got chronic fatigue syndrome and they go see a physio and the physio has no understanding of chronic fatigue syndrome. And then they say, all right, go and do a 20 minute walk on the treadmill and then do this strength test stuff. And it's so beyond their capacity that they literally walk out feeling absolutely horrible. And we like to use the word movement at CFS Health because movement is so multifaceted. It's so broad. Movement is such a better word to use because there's no bad connotation that comes with it. And in today's podcast, I want to explore with Steph movement in general. And, you know, I think there's a lot of fear and apprehension when it comes to movement, because for some people, movement or exercise isn't appropriate right now for you, especially if you're fighting off a virus, you're sleeping 15, 16 hours a day, you're exhausted. And on the other end, if you've been suffering for a while, or you just don't know what to do, you're clueless as to how to start, how much, how little, how long. It's really overwhelming. So I'd love to, if we can, Steph, like just break it down for everyone today of the general term of movement when it comes to recovery from chronic fatigue syndrome and other associated illnesses. And then love to jam on micro, macro, how long, how short, things like that. 100%. Super eager. Cool. Okay. You teach a philosophy that there's two types of movement. There's incidental movement and a structured movement. Can you describe the two for everyone at home? Yeah, for sure. So I often have a lot of members or people say to me, I'm not doing any exercise. I'm not moving my body. I'm stagnant. I haven't started movement. And I say, okay, so what does your day look like? And they will say, I'll get out of bed. I'll move to the couch. At some point I'll get up. I'll maybe make some food might go to the bathroom and then I'll sit back down on the couch for a while and rest and then I'll get up and do something else or might clean or anything like that. And I just say, okay, I want you to think about what you've just said to me and how many times have you used the word move or how many times have you gotten up and done something? And they're like, Mm. yeah, I did move my body. And so I think the first part is incidental movement or movement that's just functional. Mm. It's moving around the house. It's emptying the dishwasher, putting clothes away. It's getting up to go to the bathroom. We're moving our body. And yes, it's not structured. And yes, for, I guess, healthy population, it doesn't seem like a big deal. But for us, it's a massive deal. It's a really big part of our journey. So I think the first thing is identifying where you're at from a movement perspective. Are you moving in bed? Can you stretch in bed? Can you get a glass of water? All of that is still important. And it's all under that banner of functional or incidental movement. The second one that I talk about is more of that structured exercise. And that's where we can have a bit more fun with it, where we add that combination of more resistance style training and aerobic, because research suggests that a combination of both provides us with the best outcomes. So often I discuss, what does that look like for you? Are you able to walk in the house? Are you able to walk in the garden? Can you do any sort of structured resistance training at home? Or can you do it elsewhere? And then we dive a little bit deeper into what that looks like from a time or session point of view. 
I'd love to talk more about functional daily movement because I think that's where a lot of people are at initially, you know, and we need to start there. And then I'd love to go into the structured stuff because that's my favorite thing. I think what's exciting is when a client comes to us and says, I have a goal and my goal is to go skiing with my family or it's a mom and she wants to be able to play with her kids more and be able to have more stamina or go back to sport, things of that nature whether it's bike riding, mountaineering, hiking, things like that. And so you have to start at the daily function because that's where a lot of people are at. But you, at the same time, you people who are at the daily function, eventually, if you're good with this and you're consistent and you stay accountable and you start to build some resilience in your body, and we'll talk about physiological adaptation in a mo. But structured movement is exciting too, because Steph's huge on this. She just ran like three amazing goal setting sessions in regards to movement based off which stage you're in. But then it's about tying in movement that is in line with your goals. And I think that's a real big barrier for people, Steph, who aren't in the program. They're so stuck because they don't know what their goals are. Once they do find out their goals, they have no idea what movement is actually appropriate for them. And so there's no plan. And it's like these goals and hopes and dreams are so far beyond their reach because there is no plan that's going to help them close that gap. And so I'd love to talk about that too. But for someone who's out of 10, a one to a three in terms of overall health and well-being, so not going great, not really bad, but not really good either. What would daily function look like for them to start with? Yeah, so I think right at the start when you are almost in that stuck position or you're not too sure where you're at from a capacity point of view it's more can you walk to the bathroom you might not even shower every day you might be showering every second or third day so it's being able to just tick off tasks that are going to benefit your day or make you smile in your day so it's still finding that positive relationship with exercise or with movement mm. so i often speak about if you can't cook or you can't make a meal then why don't you do it in segments? And that's what we talk about micro sessions. And I'd love to go deeper into that in a little bit, but maybe you cut the vegetables up in the morning and then midday, when you have a little bit more energy, you might do the second phase of cooking. And then at the end of the day, you might do the third phase, which is putting it all together, just chucking it in the oven or whatever mm. you need to do and then eating it. And then if you still can, that last phase is at the end of the day where you might do the dishes and you might not. And so it's breaking down movement so it feels appropriate, it doesn't feel scary, and it's almost making it simplistic in your mind that, yes, I actually can achieve that movement. And overall, it's making it smaller and we're making it more achievable. And it can be with any household task. And I think that's a really important place to start with and focus on. And I also think the joy aspects, maybe it's arts and crafts, maybe it's playing the piano for five minutes, maybe it's playing guitar. It could be dancing in the kitchen to your favorite song for one minute. It doesn't have to be the chores and things like that. But it reminds me that as you start to get better, you used to hate doing chores and the laundry and the dishes and everything. But we find that as people start to get better, they start to really go celebrate like, yes, I just did the dishes and I feel totally fine. Or I yeah. just did all the cleaning and I feel so good. And I think, yeah, if you're at that lower capacity right now, you want to make sure that you're not trying to do everything at once. And exactly what Steph said is like breaking it down into micro sessions throughout the day, movement snacks, just like you would with your lunch. Do you want to just explain that micro mindset yeah. when it comes to building up slowly? 
Yeah, so a micro session is essentially a mini session. So just as you would throughout your day, if you're hungry, you'd eat. Or if you're thirsty, you'd grab a drink of water. It's the same mini top up with exercise or with movement. So it's breaking it down that we don't need to have this big structured session or do all these types of movements where we feel exhausted. It's what feels appropriate right now. How can I make this seem less daunting and how does it make me feel? So I'm only going to do one exercise or one rep or half a meal of cooking or whatever it might be. And it's drip feeding that into your day. So it feels more appropriate. It feels that you can achieve it overall. You have that positive relationship and you don't get that feeling of, oh, am I going to crash? Have I pushed this too far? I need to rest for the rest of the day. Yeah. So it's building that consistency over intensity. Inside our program, one of the things we talk about a lot is this rule of thumb, this framework of consistency over intensity. And the reason why if you're not making progress is because you're doing things with too much intensity and not enough consistency. And the common theme we hear is I woke up with lots of energy. I tried to conquer the entire day. I have a to-do list that's longer than my arm and I tried to do everything on that to-do list because I felt good. And then I felt horrible for the next week. And what we're saying is, no, don't go and spend all your energy credits in one day build up appropriately and micro sessions and commitments each day is actually going to build more consistency over time, which will then allow you to physiologically adapt to being able to handle a bigger capacity over time. Exactly. hundred percent. And it helps us improve or have that early exposure to exercise or to movement that we didn't think that we'd be able to do. Because when we break it down in any situation or any aspect of life, if we break down a problem or whatever it might be, it's a lot easier to achieve in smaller doses. So it's a really great place to start if you're trying to just increase or understand movement in your day. So good. I think also one of the hard things for a lot of people is that each day isn't always the same. So one day they feel like a five out of 10, the next day they feel like a two out of 10. And so one of the things that we teach as well is that body wisdom to know what to do and when to do it. And that's about tuning in to how you're feeling on an overall level, not tuning into your symptoms, but just tuning into your overall general health and well-being feeling. So then you can make decisions from there. Do you want to speak to that for a moment and share your thoughts with that? Yeah. I often ask people maybe what their week looks like if they struggle from day to day, if it's very different. I might say, have you been able to achieve by the end of the week a similar baseline? Have you seen many ups and downs? Every day is going to be different and that's with any person you speak to in any aspect of life. No one's day is the same. So it's making sure that we're open-minded from day to day where we understand what I like to say, rate of perceived exertion, which is an RPE. So what does my RPE look like today? What can I achieve today? Is it going to be different? I had a big day yesterday of just socializing. I'm exhausted from that. So my movement today will look different. Does it mean that you're not still achieving goals? Absolutely not. It just means you're now listening to your body and what you can do and not having that guilty feeling by not achieving the same as what you did yesterday. People often refer back to what they were doing pre-health. And I had a lovely girl on one of our calls say, I don't really understand the RPE because that used to be like 
a one or a two before I was sick. It was maybe a one or a two. And I said, that's fine. But what's now? It's great that you understand where you were, but where are you at right now? It's really hard for us to begin our journey moving forward if we're always thinking about our past and what we were doing with exercise or movement and what that looks like. Mm. It's really hard to focus on the now, but it's such an important aspect of our journey that we can pinpoint exactly where we're at, what exercise feels comfortable for us right now, and then how can we use that or utilize that to help us move forward? Yeah, I think that's huge for a lot of people is they compare their old lives to their current reality and they just can't start because you haven't accepted where you're at. Acceptance isn't resignation. For the people who don't know what RPE is, we'll just give you a little bit of a better explanation too, just so you're not left confused because I know some people are like, what's an RPE? How do I work it out? What's my one? So just to break it down, Steph, what does RPE stand for? Yeah, so RPE stands for rate of perceived exertion. We usually use the RPE scale from a one to 10. Mm -hmm. So one being right now sitting, feeling absolute baseline, no difference, no waves. This is our lower limit. We know that we're fine. It's the green zone. It's the safe zone. RPE rate of perceived exertion is basically what I perceive as hard, 10 being really hard and one being really easy. If you're watching this on video and not listening to this on audio, you can see I've got a diagram up of a battery, I guess you could say. And one is like dark green zone as exactly what Steph said. It's not hard. It's like a one out of 10. It's like, eh, whatever. Didn't really feel it. Wasn't much. Hmm. Yeah. And then, as you said, on that other end of the spectrum, we have that 10, which is where often if we're in the beginning of the program, that's that danger zone where I say, hang on, are you leading into a crash? Are you checking in? Does this feel okay? And some people can push towards a seven and eight plus out of 10, but they also understand when they need to come back to that green zone or back to that one. So they have a really good concept of what their RPE or what their baseline looks like. And if you don't, and you're beginning to go into that higher area or into that red or orange zone, it's a lot harder to come back to green and feel safe when moving. Yeah. Regulated basically. Yeah. So this is I a great conversation to have because most people know there's three stages of recovery. Stage one is like the acute stage where, you know, you're deeply suffering and your symptoms are really severe and basically your body's super inflamed and you've got lots of symptoms. And so we would highly recommend you stay on the lower end of your rate of perceived exertion every single day. Now, that doesn't mean you do nothing because we know that doesn't work either. You've really got to find your sweet spot. It's not about doing too little, but it's certainly not about doing too much either. And once you find your sweet spot and you can bounce within your appropriate RPE, what happens over time as your health stabilizes and then you start to move forwards, then you can do more because your body can physiologically adapt to the stresses that you're placing upon it. And then we move into stage two and stage three, where exactly what Steph's saying, that's when you can really start to push yourself and be okay because your capacity to adapt to physiological stress is higher, which means that it's not a problem. But because if you're really sick and you're really suffering, your body's already trying to adapt to all this physiological stress that's already happening in the body. So to push yourself even more in that stage is just so stupid. And this is where most people on the outside world don't understand it. And 
This is why exercise has such a bad name in the chronic illness community is because it's so wrongly prescribed. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't have the awareness or educational understanding or experience. And then they see a chronic fatigue patient and they push them to an RPE of eight, nine or 10 when they should only be down below a three. And they wonder why they feel like crap. And so, yeah, this is a framework that we teach inside our program. Obviously, we go way deeper into it, but you get the gist of maybe why you've been redlining so much is what we call it, where you're beyond your threshold for too long and your body's not adapting properly and appropriately. Interesting. I think people are like, hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, have a break just to process that information. I could talk about it all day. I'm sure you're the same. It's quite a lot, isn't it? The nuanced of it is actually like one hour for each stage, basically, of what to do, how to do it. And so we're not going to be able to cover this in this episode, but at least you have a new awareness of what RPE is and the framework to basically help you stop pushing, crashing, and then build your strength and resilience and capacity over time so you can physiologically adapt to stress better. And I think the RPE scale is so great because you can use it in all different ways. You can use it for specific or structured exercise if you're doing that. You can do it with household movement. The examples we used before, like cooking or playing with your kids or all of that, you can still use the RPE scale or a rating for that. Yeah, you can use it in multiple areas, which I love. And the good thing is as well, it's flexible. I think that's what I like about it. It's not fixated and you really truly have to factor in your quality of sleep, your quality nutrition, your current stress levels. All of these things need to be factored in to then know what's appropriate for you on each given day or week. You might be in stage three, absolutely doing really well. We've got clients who are 15 months into our program. They're absolutely doing great. They're integrating back into life. They're traveling, they're living. Uh, and they might also be dealing with some life stresses and situations, but they have the wisdom now to know, you know what, I haven't slept that much. I've been pretty stressed lately. My food hasn't been as good. My nutrition intake hasn't been as great. I'm not going to push myself to my upper limits of my RPE and I'm going to actually back it off. I'm still going to do something, but I'm just going to do it more appropriate for how I feel right now. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think too, just to add on that, what something was yesterday where it was a two out of 10, let's say it might be a five out of 10 today. Mm. So it's acknowledging that with each day, there's going to be inconsistencies, but I think having that awareness that we often talk about that body awareness or listening to your body that helps it become a useful tool where it begins to become easier to identify where we're at. Amazing. So we've just spoken about micro sessions where a perfect example of a micro session is let's say you wanted to do 10 arm raises, right? But doing 10 in a row would be just too much for you right now. And you might be in bed a lot of the day and doing that in a row might be just too much. But what you might do over a period of a day is do micro movement snacking where you do the 10 arm raises over the period of the entire day. So you might do one every hour or two every second hour. Can you maybe just give one more example of micro snacking? I know so many members have benefited this hugely and Steph's got this member and this particular member is so dedicated to movement and Steph's programming that her win in month one of the program was to be able to smile more. It wasn't an exercise goal. It was just to be able to smile because her capacity was so low. 
to I think it was nine or 12 months later being able to go on a skiing trip with her family. It sounds miraculous, but it really wasn't. It was like good programming and just doing everything we're talking about here appropriately. It wasn't rocket science. 100%. And for her, she started with one chin tuck, three seconds. And that was her one exercise that she did. And the biggest thing, and we touched on it before, was she was consistent. So she knew her intensity. She knew not to increase above. She was just consistent. And that consistency and being able to do those macro sessions meant that she might be able to do two and separate those in a day. And then she would do three and separate those in a day. And it sounds long and it sounds like a process. And yes, everyone's at a different stage, but the key concepts are the same. By drip feeding that into your day and by really understanding where you're at and being okay with that, allows you to progress and it allows you to have that understanding. And another example for micro sessions is if you're sitting on the couch and you get up to go grab a drink or you get up to go to the toilet, when you get up, I want you to sit back down and then I want you to get back up again. And so now you've just added a sit to stand in your day that you didn't have specifically added in your day but you've just added in some movement that you didn't even know that you were going to do. Or you go to the fridge and you grab the milk out of the fridge, put it on the table. You then put it back in the fridge and then grab it again. We're now getting this added movement in that's just drip fed. It's fun. It's not scary. It's not structured, but it's just little bit by little bit, we're starting to see more movement. And I think that's the overarching goal. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Let's talk about macro sessions. Micro sessions is building up appropriately with your daily function first. And if you're in stage one, we highly recommend that before introducing any structured movement. If you are introducing structured movement, make sure it's specific to you and appropriate for you. And obviously inside our program, the mentorship program, we have pre-beginner movements that you can do from your own bed. You don't even need to be walking around or going to a gym or anything like that. In fact, our whole program is based that you can do from home. There's 12 levels that you can go through at your own pace. And when getting to the higher levels of training, that's where it's more goal specific in the sense that is it skiing, is it motocross, is it ballet, is it whatever you want to do so that your body's conditioned and strong so you don't get injured and you can really have the strength and robusticity in your body that you can handle it. So we've got incidental. What's structured, dedicated movement? What's the difference? So I think it goes back down to what you said, where it's more goal specific. So the incidental movement is being able to move as much through our day as we can. Whereas our structure is, has anyone ever told you to do exercise because it's good for you or because they say you should? It's not fun. You don't want to do it. You don't know why you're doing this. There's no purpose behind it. So why should you do it? So structured exercise is having that goal, going into exercise for a purpose and it's feeling comfortable. You're excited about moving your body. You understand what you want your body to do and it's structured in the sense that you have a plan and you have a step-by-step process, whether it's exercises that are in the program or it's ones that you've been prescribed or you know you want to do but it's having that structure, it's having that purpose. And that often is either aerobic or it's resistance-based or strength training-based. And it Mm -hmm. can be a combination of both as well. Mm -hmm. A lot of our members move from daily function and micro-snacking throughout their entire day to then having a movement program based off their goals that it's dedicated every second day of the week at a set time. 
And I guess you could treat it like a personal training session where at 4.30 on a Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, you know that you're going to sit down on your floor and do your restorative strength training uh, session. And that doesn't need to be a 30-minute session. For someone who's starting out, it might be three minutes. It might be five minutes. It might be a combination of strength and mobility and flexibility versus just doing squats and push-ups and things of that nature. And it's pretty cool because we get to see people transform from micro daily function where they haven't touched any movement program specifically to then getting strong enough to be like, all right, I think it's time to strengthen my glutes and fix my back and my posture. And I want to get stronger with my upper body. And then they start to do this strength training, which doesn't just affect your freaking muscles. It affects every area of your life. If you think about it, it improves your immune system. It helps you regain muscle. And I think one of the key performance indicators of longevity is how much muscle mass one person has. Steph, you might know more than me. You're the one that's in the field every day. But they talk a lot about that now, like the muscle mass and longevity is a really big key indicator for that. And then also if we think of mitochondria, we know there's a direct link between muscle building and mitochondria or strength training and building in mitochondria too. It makes sense that people start to feel better over time when they do this consistently. 100%. And we also have that release in endorphins where mm. people might get that second buzz of energy or just feel happier or feel like they've achieved their goal for the day. So there's so many different benefits to moving our body and a lot of them come when we begin to have that structure where we have that routine, we have that positive relationship with exercise where we go into it, we know what we're doing, we know why we're doing it and we make it tailored to us and we make it fun. And I think that's the biggest philosophy that I live by is how can I make this fun? How can I make this fun? Not only for me, but for every member, what do they like? What are their goals? And what is the overarching why? If you know your why factor it is a lot easier to go in with a positive mindset than to just do it because someone told you to. Yeah. And I also think a lot of people who aren't getting the right help, you're probably really scared right now because you're like, oh, but what if I ever do it? That's the whole reason why our program exists is so you don't overdo it and you work within your RPE that's appropriate for you and then you build from there. And it's not always about progressing. It's about maintaining too. I think a lot of people just think they just need to keep progressing, keep progressing. But do you want to just quickly, before we wrap up, I'd love you to talk about progressive overload, maybe just so people at home can understand the idea of progressive overload. And it's not to constantly progressively overload your body all the time, but we need maintain periods. Yeah. So essentially, I often describe this in an education way to the members, but if you do some sort of exercise and it's hard, it feels good, but it's hard, the brain goes oofed didn't like that I want to adapt because I don't want to experience that again it wasn't that fun for me and so the brain adapts and the muscles get stronger and we have super compensation which is a fancy word for saying yep I'm going to adapt I'm going to be able to handle this next time so we have this adaptation period and then we do the same exercise again and it feels easier and we keep this consistent pattern and it's like, hang on, we've got a rhythm. This is good. I found my mojo. But then if we don't continue to progress, we are now stagnant because we're no longer looking for the next thing or we're no longer challenging us. So what we do is we often improve. And I usually say to members, 
let's progress by five to 10%. Let's find what's appropriate for you to then progress. And we increase, and it might only be one exercise at a time or one day. It doesn't need to be your whole weekly load because we don't want to jump up by a whole week's load. We might pick one exercise in the one day that we progress first and we see how our body adapts to that. And again, we might be doing that for two weeks, might be longer, and we see if we can consistently get that nice baseline to stay the same or to see that adaptation occur. Mm, that's really cool for anyone who doesn't know what baseline means basically it's being able to do what you can currently do without feeling any worse than you currently do and so knowing if it's the right amount for you is to know that all right i actually don't feel any worse than i did beforehand so this is actually okay for me and i can adapt but typically we encourage a four-week maintenance period once you've solidified your new baseline and your new baseline of daily function or daily movement. And then once that's solidified and your health has maintained, meaning you're not getting sick with colds or flus or your weeks are compromised because you're pushing yourself too much, if none of that's uh, there, then that means that, all right, great, you've stabilized and now you can progress to that next level too. We call them maintenance months and we have members who are like, no, I'm maintaining this month and it's good. So you should, you've just had all this huge progress. You've gone from here to here now you do need to just maintain it and make your newfound level of progress normal. Yeah. yeah. And I think the maintaining stage is a really nice stage to be in because you feel confident, you feel comfortable, you're enjoying your exercise and you can begin to focus on other things or other aspects of what you're trying to work on as well, whether it's stress levels, whether it's mindfulness, mm. anything in that asset or in that space, you're confident where you're at right now with exercise and where your next goal is and what you want to be able to achieve. And it's slowly putting those things into place to be able to do that. So good. Steph, as we wrap up, what's one thing you'd like to share with the people watching right now? Maybe one tip for them if they're just starting out with all these new ideas and these movement things we've just been speaking about. Yeah, one tip. You're making me really work out. <laughs> I, have, I just want to say them all. But I think the biggest thing always comes down to understanding where you're at right now mm. and finding out what your why factor is. If you have a specific goal in mind, why is that goal important to you? Because that helps drive things for you. And if you can understand your why, you are more likely to really delve deeper into what movement means for you and how we can tailor that towards your goals. Absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> You're amazing. If you found this helpful, make sure you subscribe to the channel, give it a thumbs up and leave a comment and let us know what was your biggest insight from this session. There were so many key takeaways here. And of course, if you want more in-depth help, go and apply for the online mentorship program. This is where we'll be able to help you with everything we spoke about today in a kind of short period of time on a big level to make it relevant for you and help you move forward. So sending you a ton of love, Steph Ryan. Thank you so much for joining. Appreciate you. We'll see you soon. Au revoir. Bye. <laughs> hey, I hope this video was really helpful for you. If you haven't already, please hit the like button and feel free to leave a comment. What was your takeaway, your insight from today's video? It's really helpful to actually write your learnings down. We seem to embed it better and it seems to help us move forwards with life. Here are three ways we can help you right now whenever you're ready. The first way is make sure you add yourself into our free information recovery group on Facebook. We'll leave a link in the description below. 
It's a really supportive, encouraging place. There's no negative venting. You can ask questions to other people. There's something like seven, 8,000 people in there right now. And I'm sure by the time you're watching this video, there's even more. So go over there right now. We share success stories. We share our latest free trainings that come to the public. And we always share upcoming information about upgrades inside our program. And also when we offer free webinars or free information nights that can further help you with your own recovery. The second way we can help you, which is one of my favorite is through all our free trainings. We're going to leave a link in the description with our favorite free trainings that we know can help you start your recovery, whether that's through our baseline training, which will help you stop pushing and crashing our three stages of recovery to figure out exactly where you're at and know what to do next. Or my favorite, which is our guest panel workshop, which was actually exclusive for our members. It was so damn good that I actually asked them, can we share this to the public? They all said yes, all five of them. So thank you past members. They share their five recovery secrets and it's really powerful. There's tears, there's aha moments, there's real key insight and inspiration. And so whether you're a one out of 10 and you're really struggling right now, or whether you're further along in your recovery journey and you're integrating back into life, we have you covered. The third way we can help you is through our actual paid online recovery program, the mentorship recovery program. And if you are interested in getting proper help, a holistic comprehensive plan, professional coaching from the best coaches in the world, whether that's with mindset, movement, nutrition, restorative movement, reconditioning, integrating back into life, integrative medicine, baseline structure, routine, accountability, all things health and life. Feel free to apply for the program today. All you need to do is click on the form cfshealth.com form, fill out the short two to three minute form application and the team will be in touch with all the details that you need to know about the program via email. So make sure you check your spam folder for all the free trainings. If you've sent through an application, please be patient. My team are real people, okay? They're not robots. So if we don't get back to you within seconds or hours, it's okay. <laughs> we will get back to you. If you don't hear from the team within two to three days, that means that it's basically gone to spam or junk and it's gone missing. So please send a follow-up email to the team at info at cfshealth.com. If you have any questions, go check it out, but I would highly recommend adding yourself into the free group right now. Go click on that link in the description, go download all the free trainings. Honestly, the whole reason why this whole thing started is because when I went through this myself, it was so painful and so excruciating that I didn't want anyone else to have to go through it. And some of these free trainings are so damn valuable back then I would have paid thousands of dollars for. We've had so many comments and emails and posts saying, oh my God, the baseline training was a game changer for me. Toby, I've been doing this now for three months and I'm feeling so much better. My symptoms are decreasing. I've got more stamina. I've got more energy. I'm able to do more things. So, you know, whether you're learning from us and consuming our content through our free format, I'm so stoked. Whether that's in our paid program, I don't really care. Either way, all I want to make sure is that you are moving forwards. You are starting to really implement this work. And that's really what it's all about. Once we implement, we make change and we start to move forwards. Sending you a ton of love. Of course, feel free to consume 
as much of the YouTube videos as you like. There's so many really, really great ones, new and old, sending you a ton of love and uh, speak to you very, very soon. All the best for now.